The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him, but the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by a man's decision, but of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we saw his glory the glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, The one who was coming after me ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received, grace in place of grace. Because while the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only Son, God, who is at the Father's side, has revealed him. The Gospel of the Lord. There are certain phrases that can be said to have changed the course of human history. There are some in our own culture that we know very well. When in the course of human events, or we the people of the United States, there is one phrase that stands out above all the others. A phrase in scripture 
but of all the words in Scripture as a primary place. It's a phrase so powerful that it sums up the greatest mystery of the history of salvation. The whole universe is changed by this phrase. It's a phrase that tells us about God's interaction with us as no other phrase does. When we hear it or read it, we should be frozen where we stand in shock, overwhelmed with wonder and awe, although I doubt many people are. It's a phrase of such importance that at one time, in what we call the extraordinary form of the Mass, the Old Mass, this phrase was said at the end of almost every Mass. And when it was said, the priests and the people, the whole Catholic world would genuflect at the sound of that phrase. When we mention it in the creed, we refer to it. We used to all genuflect. Today we make a profound bow, except twice a year, this is one of those days, when we do genuflect and kneel at the sound of that phrase. It's that powerful. The church insists that we show reverence at the very sound of it. When we say the Angelus, we genuflect. But do we think about it? Really? The phrase is in today's gospel. I suppose this doesn't sound like a very Christmassy gospel to us, does it? But this is the gospel of Christmas. Last night, we had the gospel of the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph in Bethlehem. That sounds like Christmas, doesn't it? This morning it was the shepherds. That sounds like Christmas. But here today we have the greatest of all phrases, the word that sums it all up. And the word, the phrase, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the phrase. The whole universe stops when that is read because the whole universe is changed by it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's really why we're here. The word of God, the logos, the perfect reflection of the Father, equal to the Father, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, became flesh and dwelt among us. One great theologian, I mentioned him before, Monsignor Romano Guardini put it this way. He said, And now, prepared from the eternal beginning." from the origin of the world, from his operation in all of his creation, and finally through the messenger who had been sent, the Logos steps into history. Imagine the Logos, the Word, the Son steps into history. God steps into history. And not the way he stepped into history on Mount Sinai or at the Mount of Transfiguration. He does it as we stepped into history, in the womb and as, an inf- and, as a, and as an infant. We like that, don't we? There's something very beautiful about that. That God should come into the world as an infant. It's amazing. 
I think what we like about it is we see God as we see in any infant. We see innocence and we see vulnerability, the capacity to be wounded. And that's why he's come. You and I came into the world to live once again. He came into the world to die. That's his mission. That's his work. That's what he must do. When we look at that child, we have to remember that. He came into the world to be vulnerable for just that reason. Remember, that's why we have shepherds coming. They want to see the lamb of sacrifice. I mentioned once before a window I once saw in Amherst, Massachusetts. There are three shepherds in this stained glass window in the nativity. One of them is an old man who is just kneeling with his hands together and his eyes closed. The second is middle-aged, just sort of looking on. The third is a young man who seems of the three to be the only one who has some idea of what he's looking at. The look on his face is one of astonishment. His mouth is open, his eyes are wide, he's putting back his hand and knocking off his hat because he seems to see something. We should be as that shepherd was and see what he saw when we look at that. We become aware of why he came and what he came to do for us. I would suggest, by the way, that sometime today, each one of us, preferably as a family, but alone if you must, but maybe as a family, would, maybe before dinner or at the evening, would read the prologue to St. John's Gospel, verses 1 to 14. And at the words, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, we might all who can kneel down for a few moments to let it sink in what those words mean how they affect everything from there on. The word did become flesh. Of course, yes. For a reason, to suffer and die for us, to rise from the dead, to ascend to the Father, and then to return once again. You know, the literal translation of the word became flesh and dwelt among us is, remember, they were an agrarian people. The word became flesh and pitched his tent among us. That's the original, very beautiful way of putting it, don't you think? And they an ancient agrarian world, and pitched his tent among us. Uh, And yet we have to enter into that mystery, as I said. And how do we do it? Well, I think it's, in one sense, it's rather simple. Remember the Magi came? We had the Magi in two weeks. The Magi were Gentiles, astrologers. They symbolized the whole world. They, too, are going to come and see this child, and they're going to see also not just divinity and kingship, but sacrifice, the lamb to be slaughtered. But then he doesn't just disappear. He didn't just dwell among us then. He dwells among us. He said he would. Where is the the tent? The tent is the tabernacle. That's what it meant in the Old Testament. That's where he dwells. Wherever we see that red light, that's where the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. And particularly on the altar when he comes down to transform the bread and wine into his body and blood. That's when the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. Do you see, without the Eucharist, nothing makes sense. The manger is only a symbol. The scriptures are all very nice, but in the end they don't really do anything because the God wants to be with us. That's what this reading from St. John's Gospel is all about. The word became flesh and dwelt among us to stay with us. Think of the creed for a moment. When we recite the creed, which we will just briefly in a moment, 
Did you ever notice we go right from birth to death? No mention of his private life, of our Lord. No mention of his miracles, his teaching, nothing. He became man, suffered under Pontius Pilate. That sums up what he came to do. Sums up what he's doing here. Takes human flesh, sacrifices himself for us, and then becomes present whenever we celebrate this great mystery. So, people say, well, why was he born? Why did he die? We can say for our redemption. Yes, to redeem us. There's a much beautiful way, I think, of putting that. People want an answer to that question. Why was he born and why did he die? I would suggest that today we listen to the words of consecration. They are the most perfect answer to the question of why Jesus Christ came and why he suffered and died. I'm not going to repeat them now, but we might all pay a little bit more attention at that part of the Mass when the priest says those words over the bread and wine. They're the reason for everything. They explain it all. All we have to do is observe, listen, take, and respond, because the answer is there. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come rejoicing in the birth of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, her members will always be visible signs of the incarnation of the Lord, especially the Church persecuted and suffering. We pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they may recognize Jesus Christ in its midst and come to know him, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering, for all those who bear the cross of Christ in any way, that they may know that in their sufferings they are visible signs of the Incarnation. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost faith and wandered from the truth, we pray to the Lord. For greater respect for human life, and especially today, for life in the womb, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who are visible signs of the incarnation of the Lord in a unique way, proclaiming him to the world in which they live, for a greater reverence for the visibility of the incarnation in marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that as they themselves come to know Jesus Christ more perfectly, they may witness to him the word made flesh. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, who all have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, that we may internalize what we have heard and what we have received, and that we may proclaim the word made flesh living amongst us, we pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to the Mother of God and the Mother of the Incarnation as we say. Mm-hmm.